The Bob McGowan Podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today with John Shannon. Whatever will we discuss today with these two? Well, no, you know what we've found, and we've had the feedback from our growing list of listeners and viewers is the reinvention, the return of the Friday roundtable. Yeah. And people have enjoyed it. So um, I talked to the producer. We're going to do it a bit more. We're not going to do it every week. We're going to do it a bit more as uh, as time goes on, as we're going to bring the roundtable back. And today we're going to bring two guys onto the show that can talk a little bit about everything. And that's not a bad idea. Two longtime friends, uh, George Offman from Chicago, who has uh, been with me on various programs that I have done since the late 1970s, believe it or since not. You, since you and Marconi and Offman were together when you invented radio. we Exactly. And uh, our pal Richard Deitch, originally a New Yorker. We brought him to Toronto, and uh, he's still here. So Deitch and Offman, when we come back after this. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the Bet Rivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com. McCowan and Shannon back with you and uh, with a couple of uh, longtime pals. Uh, George Hoffman is with us from Chicago, and uh, that's Richard Deitch from uh, Toronto now. Um, he has moved in and and stayed, and we've allowed him to stay in Canada for some period of time now. So you're welcome, Deitch. Thank you, uh, Canadian Immigration Authorities. Always appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, since Hoffman is a Chicago native, let us discuss this. Sports in Chicago is pretty crummy right now, isn't it? It's about as bad as it is or was since I first started in 1978 when the teams were awful then and they're awful now. Think about this. The Bears are in a rebuild. They're awful. The Cubs are in a rebuild. They're not awful, but they're close. The White Sox regressed. They look awful. The Blackhawks are in a long rebuild. They're awful. And the Bulls may have to rebuild. This is very awful. Wasn't this supposed to be the Bulls year, George? Not really. I mean, first of all, they've had injuries. They were put together in a way, John, when they first made this project and they uh, went out and got Vucevic for two first round picks and DeMar DeRozan, who had a great year last year. I said they're good enough not to be good enough. They're not a championship caliber squad. And then there's Lonzo Ball, which was a big mistake in the first place. And I'm not sure he's ever going to play a game for them again. And they really miss him because he plays downhill. He's an excellent defender, best three-point shooter. And he's got a leg injury right now. And I have a feeling he's going to wind up never playing in the NBA again. So this is a team that's going to have to make some drastic moves. They're going to have to make them fairly soon. 
You know, George, one thing um, that's interesting to me, you can correct me if I'm wrong, because my, my thesis here may be off, but, you know, having lived in New York uh, for most of my life, as I did, obviously, before I moved to Canada, um, there was an expectation in New York, certainly among um, the Yankees, that they could never be bad. So even if you had the Jets and the Giants, um, you're really struggling and the Mets struggling, the hockey teams have generally speaking been okay. Like New York was a city which would never accept like long rebuilds, but Chicago does feel a little bit different. Like, you know, so many Cubs fans like were willing to deal with bad baseball just because it's amazing to go to Wrigley Field. You know, and I wondered, do you feel like is the is the Chicago sports fan like accepting it all of this kind of mediocrity and below? Because I do feel in certain cities, particularly like New York, people would lose their mind if all the pro teams were this bad. No, not now. I think they're getting pretty antsy. I think Blackhawk fans are accepting what's going on, but attendance is really down. Remember, the Blackhawks led the NHL in attendance for years and years and years, sellouts over 20,000. Now they're averaging like 15,000. They're, they're near the bottom of the NHL. Um, but they did have a great run, and I mean, it was a spectacular run. In the case of the Cubs, when they brought in Theo Epstein, they suffered through a few years. And then they went to the playoffs, you know, five straight years, the NLCS, they won a World Series, and then they started taking the team apart. They fired Joe Madden, and basically nobody is there. Now they're even more incensed because Wilson Contreras is gone. Um, Bears fans are Bears fans, and they realize they had to go through this, but they've got Justin Fields to hang on to, so that's pretty good. Uh, you know, Bulls fans have been filling the house again as of last year, but, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen there. That's where the White Sox go. They're, those fans have been insulted for a while. They made a nice rebuild here. Unfortunately, a lot of their players were either injured or had bad years last year. And now in this offseason, the White Sox did basically nothing except sign Clevenger to a $12 million deal. And Sox fans are wondering, what, why aren't you doing anything? You're not spending any money. That's their big issue. Hmm. Aren't the Cubs in the same kind of situation? Well, but their owner, Rickett, says he's allowed – Jed Hoyer, the general manager, vice president, to go ahead and spend. What Hoyer said is, I want to spend intelligently. Well, guess what? The Mets aren't exactly doing it intelligently. They're just spending. Uh, some of these teams are spending outrageous monies, and it's going up and up and up. So now the Cubs who wanted one of those four shortstops, there's one left, Dansby Swanson. You want to do this intelligently? Overpay. That's intelligent spending. Well, the reality in baseball is, I mean, what are the Blue Jays spending? $200 million this year? A lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean. And, and they're not done, Bob. Well, and probably they're not finished. I mean, you've got to spend close to 200 at least to be competitive, don't you? Especially that. Yeah. Well, take a, look at, take a look at the teams that are spending. They're all teams right now that are going for it. How about the Padres? They wanted to spend on everybody. The Giants said, look, we couldn't get uh, the judge, so we're going to go out and overspend for Correa. And I really think they overspent. The Yankees just spent a lot of money on Carlos Rodon. So wow. a lot of these teams are playoff teams. The other teams are kind of like, eh, we're going to wait. Except and Texas. Except Texas, right. Texas, Texas had to do that because Texas likes to try to be big. And listen, they spent last year a lot of money on players that didn't do all that well either. They sure did. Hey, Richard, uh, you know, the Yankees-Mets rivalry is something that's fascinating. Do you think that that's, you know, the Mets are competing more with the guys in the Bronx than they are the rest of the National League? I think it's twofold. Um, you know, they 
what changed the calculus that changed with the Mets, of course, is that Steve Cohen now is the owner as opposed to the Wilpons. Uh, the Wilpons were historically pretty cheap, and then obviously got got it handed to them when they got involved with Bernie Madoff and. Right. Met fans have, you know, really, really by the end of that tenure, really came to loathe that ownership group because they didn't spend, and when they spent, they usually didn't spend wisely. I think Steve Cohen is competitive, John, just like sort of period. And then I think within that competitiveness, yes, I think he would like to own the baseball market in New York, and I think he would like to win his division. What has become interesting to me is the role reversal here, in that Steve Cohen, in many ways, is like the modern version of Steinbrenner where he, he, he will overspend on free agency just to get the, the people that he wants. And the Yankees in many times um, have preached, you know, a little more fiscal responsibility that said they did in this off season do, you know, they went for it. They re-signed Aaron judge to a crazy amount of money. And, um, and as George just said, uh, paid for, I think they overpaid for Rodone, but, I'm with George. You maybe can't overpay anymore. You're ultimately in so many ways you're, and this is what the blue Jays did with Ryu. Like you're paying for like, you know, three quarters of that contract. And you hope that that player is really, really good. And then you are willing to eat the last quarter of that contract when that player either gets old or injured. Um, And in New York, whether it's Steve Cohen or the Steinbrenner family, you know, you can outspend your mistakes. So maybe Rodon is good for like two or three years. Maybe you win one world series out of it. And then after that, maybe he goes in the tank. But so what? You know, come 2027, they'll just overspend on whoever the next uh, great uh, great player is. That, that's what the Blue Jays, you know, I, I, th- I feel like they've done a better job of this in the last couple of years. Like, they have to be a big market team. Like, you can't play this mid-market game anymore in that division. Like, you're either a big boy or you're not. And that means you got to have over a $200 million payroll. No one's saying be the Yankees. But, but you cannot, you know, you cannot be the Royals in that division. You just have no chance to compete. And I generally think, you know, between Rodgers and obviously Shapiro and Atkins, like, I think they've sort of realized that now. And if, you know, if nothing else, like, even a move like Chris Bassett, that's what winning teams do. You pay, you know, you pay $60 million and you hope that you get two decent years out of the guy. Maybe the third year is a, is a bonus. So I, I like what they've done as well, but... That whole division is just like everybody's just got such deep pockets. It's it's ridiculous. By the way, the guys in Tampa are going to say we're going to defy you, Richard. We're not. We're we're going to pretend to be Kansas City and play like the Yankees. I know, but that, you know what it is, John. Like they, I, I have to tip my hat to them because their scouting is incredible. Like the Rays are probably, you know, the Astros get the reputation for being the best baseball organization, but a lot of the what the Astros do too is they also bought some players. Like you know, they they sure. paid some money for players. The Rays are incredible. They compete every year um, and replace sort of guys left and right, and they're still good. Um, uh, it's it's really impressive what they do. The athletics have been that way as well up until recently. You know, they yeah. always make the playoffs. They never go by the first round. Uh, when you were mentioning Carlos Rodon, and people were saying, why don't the White Sox go after him? Why don't the Cubs? It's, and I wouldn't have done the same thing because he has had a history of injuries. Exactly. Now, he pitched well last year. The question is, will he hold up? And I just, I just wonder. That's that's a huge gamble when you do that, and you pay for a guy who's had that many injuries in the course of his career. We'll see if the Yankees pay well. Um, we rarely get an opportunity to talk to people that are in that are in or were in, as your case, Deitch is, 
uh, a markets where there are two teams in one sport. And I'm intrigued by the competition between them. My sense from afar is that Yankee fans will never be Mets fans, that Cubs fans will never be White Sox fans, and vice versa. So explain then why the Mets are spending a lot of money. They are not going to recruit Yankee fans if the Yankees have a bad year, are they? No. Uh, no. I, generally speaking, the fan bases are different. I, I would say there are certain times where one team is so innocuous that it, 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 you know you didn't really necessarily hate the other team per se because they one they weren't in your league and two, you know they weren't like you know you can understand why people hated the Yankees in the like late seventies and early eighties with Steinbrenner. They just weren't really a likable team. Um, there, there is, you know, it's, it's a weird monetizing kind of argument, Bob, but there is this argument that like, you want to own like the new cycle in New York, you know, you right. just claim like you want to own the back page of the tabloids. Right. And there is a theory that if you own that, you know, that will lead to more interest in your team and more tickets sold. What is unique about New York is if both teams are good, there are enough people in that area where they could sell out every game. I mean, right. you're talking about 10 million People, I'm not even including Long Island or New Jersey in that. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to, in to be very honest with you, corporate ego. I think Steve Cohen is a competitive guy, one of these Wall Street hedge fund guys who made his billion dollars. I think guys like that are used to whatever they define as winning. And the Steinbrenner mm -hmm. family, quite frankly, is used to having its ass kissed and being the top team in town. So now you have two teams that – I'm sorry, now you have two organizations with essentially endless pockets. And that's what makes it interesting is that if you've been a Met fan the last three or four years, like your world has changed dramatically. Like you can get any free agent now where once upon a time you were never in these conversations. And so that's what's different about the competition is that financially things have evened up. And in, you can maybe even make the argument that Mets have a bigger budget than the Yankees do because I don't think Steve Cohen cares about any of these luxury taxes or anything like that. I, I think the guy – I think it's many, very, in many ways, an ego thing with him. I think you know the team is his, is sort of his uh, his toy box, and I think he just you know like many of these guys, like I think he likes being famous. You know, like it's the old Bob. You know this. It's like the old thing. Like uh, uh, just real quick, John. Like there's a lot of billionaires, right? But the only billionaires recognized when they walk down the streets are the ones who own the sports team. But here, the other part of the competition really might be because it's New York, because of Madison Avenue. Is there two cable networks? And and corporate sponsorship, but and those in that city are yeah. massive. But they're printing both the Yes Network and SNY. They're printing money. I mean, at, at, right. again, at the end of the day, the that market is so big population wise that there is enough money for both of those franchises to make crazy money. I, I'm not sure. You know, think of the biggest cities. You know, L.A., Chicago. Toronto. I, I don't know how, you know, there's, I, there's a limited list of cities I think that could afford two baseball teams where those two baseball teams are successful. New York happens to be absolutely be one. But are you trying, if you're the Mets, are you trying to win the championship or are you trying to win New York? Both. Both. Yeah. Is it now, is it, is it the same in, is same in Chicago, North side, South side, George, or is it just, it's uh it's the, the Cubs and then, oh, there's the White Sox over there. Almost the latter of what you're saying. The White Sox have been the little brother for many, many years, even though they've had some decent teams. I think since Jerry Reinsdorf purchased them in 1980, I think they've been to the playoffs six times. Just six. 
And the recent success of the Cubs didn't help the White Sox. However, the year after the White Sox won the World Series in 2005, they outdrew the Cubs. They actually almost drew three million, which I said was almost impossible. Wow. And now last year, they drew two million, which is a lot. It is not like New York. The Cubs started a network, the marquee network. It's fledgling. It's not doing very well. That's because the Cubs didn't do very well when they got rid of Rizzo, Bryant, Schwarber, Baez, and now Contreras. That really turns off the fans a lot. Some of those moves actually were good moves. As far as the White Sox go, Jerry Reinsdorf has a, listen, it's a mantra. I am not going to spend more than four years on a starting pitcher. They never sign players to long-term deals unless they get sweetheart deals, which were pretty good deals that they signed guys like Robert and Jimenez and, uh, and, and Anderson to these, to these deals. Unfortunately, an injury here, an injury there, not playing very well, hasn't worked out for them. Their longest, their, their richest contract was to their current catcher, Yaz, four years, 73 million. I mean, it's not like New York. It's not close to New York. The one thing I just want to add real quick, and I think, Bob, you can appreciate this. Another difference between Chicago and New York, and pr probably between New York and any other city in the United States, is the, the actual finances of the people within that city. And New York, given that it is where Wall Street is held, given that you know finance is such a major industry in New York, that there really is a lot of money that the consumer, the customer can spend. I mean, big money we're talking about. And so because of that, um, you know, both the Mets and the Yankees can really do well in sort of that corporate sphere. And so that's what makes that city in particular unique in that I don't know if there's another city that could get into these kind where both teams are just spending like, you know, Star Wars kind of money. But it, but in New York, you can do that and then charge the customer a crazy amount of money for individual tickets or a crazy amount of money for suites, and they'll get it because there's just there's yeah. just that much money in New York in in New York City that exists. And I just know, you know what a box seat goes for at Yankee Stadium? The the crazy money that's being spent by owners. There's two words. Scott Boris has been going on for a while, and it reminds me of what Bill Vec told me. As a Cub reporter in 1978, he was the former owner of the White Sox. Um, Bill Vex said then of the owners in Major League Baseball, they are diametrically opposed to logic. Think about that then. Think about that now. The only thing I say to you, George, though, is you can say they're spending a ridiculous amount of money. $43 million for a starting pitcher is a, a, an insane amount of money. But they've got to be making it. They're not spending to lose money. There is just an incredible amount of money in the game today, an incredible amount of money to be made. Is there anybody in baseball right now losing money? Do we think? There, there might be a couple of teams. Plus, they were flushed with cash this year. Each team got $30 no, but, billion. Dollars. Yeah, I, don't, I, I personally don't believe they are because I think with the television money that's come in, particularly some of those new deals, I don't think case. they lose money. And revenue sharing in baseball. There is revenue sharing in baseball, which the yeah. Pirates and the Kansas City Royals have taken advantage of for years, correct? Yeah, well, again, the, the the and you can't fix this. There is no fix on this because obviously free agency is open. There is not enough of an incentive for the ten and twelve teams in baseball that decide to put a team on the field, but not necessarily a team that will be competitive to get into the 
playoffs. So you have to make, I like, obviously financially, they've all made a decision that they're going to keep their budget at a certain level and they're going to end up um, being profitable for the year, but not competitive at all. Whether that's good or not for the game, I don't know. Obviously, John, you're a hockey guy. You know, the, the, the alternative is right to have a salary cap and then everybody plays within that world. But I'm not so sure I agree with that because there are a couple of teams that did well. Kansas City, you know, they won a World Series and made a World Series. And uh, and then you can talk. I just well, Oakland, Oakland, as you mentioned earlier, has had yeah, but but you know, I can name the Pirates and the Reds, and there's all sorts. Well, of other the Pirates teams, right? won the, the Pirates won 97 games in 2015, but after that, they wouldn't pay their players. It's kind yeah. of like the White Sox in that you know, after you get to six years, see you later. Yeah, you got it. You know what it is? I mean, in, ma in many ways, if you're a small market, right, your window of opportunity is before your stars get to 26 or 27, that's right? That, that's yep. your that's your that's your hope. Yep. Yeah. Well, and that's that's true just about everywhere, except Tampa Bay sort of has taken that. Uh, we, we can't afford to do any better and really excelled at continuing to to stockpile their team. Yeah, they they the. That organization has just figured out ways to, whether it's scouting or elsewhere, to find players who are, who who so overplay their contract number, and they've just consistently done it for a long time. And then they obviously can fill in the gaps occasionally with some smart free agent moves. They 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 drafted very very well, particularly when they weren't good. But they're really unique. Uh, it just again like they they're just they're so unique. It, in many ways, not to mention the fact that they get nothing from their stadium, right? Their stadium is a disaster. <laughs> Attendance there is terrible. So they're not even drawn. And they're, uh, I can tell you this, their viewership of their games are disastrous. Like they're getting mm -hmm. nothing externally, yet they continue to be good. It's amazing. Um, well, we'll I'll, I'll direct this at, at Deitch because he's in Toronto now and a little closer to home. But but uh, jump in here, George, if you uh, if you wish. We haven't had your take on what the Blue Jays have done during this offseason. And as usual, we focus on the big salaries of the big-name guys. And the Blue Jays have gotten a couple of guys in Bassett and Kiermaier specifically who are not big salary guys, but they are important players. And I'm wondering what you think of that, of those signings and what, what the prospect of the Blue Jays will be. Yeah, I, I'm, I certainly love the Bassett signing. I thought that was great. Um, that is a innings eater who is like a perfect number three or number four guy on teams that go very, very far in the postseason. So I love that deal. Um, I happen to have Kiermaier on my fantasy team uh, last year, so I'm very familiar with him. Yeah, that think, was a bad year for Kiermaier. Yeah, and you, I mean, he's a I great guess. fielder, but if he, he – you know, they're really rolling the dice that he can be healthy again. If yeah, you healthy, don't get points for surgery, uh, Richard. Yeah, you know? <laughs> if he's healthy, I think, you know, I think he's a gold glove type of center fielder and, and, and a, you know, an okay bat. I, I just wonder, you know, he's, he's not young. Um, so I root for the guy. I hope he comes back, but I'm not sure that's a move I would have done. Uh, to me, Bob, obviously the Blue Jays postseason will be, I'm sorry, the Blue Jays offseason will be determined by what is the next move with either the catchers or if they bring in a left-handed bat. And then, um, you know, the second thing is, and again, we're going to find this out down the road is what was the Teoscar Hernandez deal, a good deal. And I, I think we only obviously know that right. Come October, right? Like you can't judge that until 
it happens. I really like Teoscar. I wouldn't have done that deal, but I, you know, if this, if, uh, if, if the pitcher back from Seattle turns out to be, um, Swanson. yeah, Swanson turns out to be like a significant, you know, like high leverage kind of pitcher that gets out. Well, that is something that they really lack this year. So that, it's, it's, it's TBD to me. Basically. Except as I said before, I think the Hernandez deal wasn't was more of an economic deal than a than a playing deal. I agree with you. Yeah, they they weren't they clear somewhere in that front office they made a decision right that they were not signing him long term. And once right. that decision was made, he was done. Yeah, and I he think was they're a- playing. I think the Blue Jays are playing from strength here with those three catchers. I, I know two teams that could use a catcher. The Cubs yeah. and White Sox. Yeah. They could yeah. use a catcher. And if you can give up, let's say, a young talent or somebody that's just coming up that might be in the major leagues, whether it's this year or next, you're going to find a lot of teams. They are playing from a great strength. That's the best strength you can have, either a really good starting pitcher or a dirt of catchers. They've got them. Yeah, but they have to. I would just say this, uh, George. The, the one thing about the catchers, and Bob, Bob and John, you agree with me or disagree with me, I think if they trade one of those catchers, they must get somebody who's a major league player. Like, if you're going to make that deal, you're going for it now. And so. And I, by the way, I, I think it's really tough because you can make an argument for all three of those guys to stick around and you can make an argument like for all three of those guys, you know, which one you would deal. Like it is a rare situation to have three guys who could start. All three of those players are starting catchers. Well, we'll yeah. agree to disagree on that. I, I'm not getting rid of the kid under okay, any so circumstances. I'm not, get, Moreno's off I'm not getting rid of the kid. Okay. He's off limits. You know? Well, we had Buck Martinez on yesterday who knows the team and was a catcher, and he what says he the say? same thing. No, he, he would not trade Marino. He will not trade Marino. I, I, I think, you know, you got him club control. He's cheap. He looks like he's going to be a good player. I buy that thinking. I, I personally would um, would trade uh, Kirk, but we'll see what comes of that. Hey, George, I'm curious. We, we, you know, the one signing the Cubs did do that had a lot of interest in Toronto was Cody Bellinger. And – because uh, there was a lot of thought that Bellinger might come to Toronto and the Blue Jays, in theory, need a left-handed bat. What, what was the reaction in Chicago to Bellinger signing? Uh, mostly positive. Matter of fact, I think the people on the south side wanted to see if they could get a left-handed bat named Cody Bellinger as well. He's a gamble. It's a gamble worth taking. It's a one-year pillow deal. It's worth 17 million bucks. What I hear from People on talk radio here is, oh, if he if the Cubs can get his bat going again, he'll leave after one year. And I'm thinking to myself, why? Maybe if he's really good, the Cubs overpay and keep him. He's only, what, 27 years old? Unfortunately, with the injury, he's really been down and out the last couple of years. However, he's still an outstanding defensive player. However, I'm not, I'm not paying a whole bunch of money for a defensive player. They did that exactly. with Jason Hayward, and that didn't work at all. But it was a it's a good signing. You have nothing to lose except seventeen million dollars. Hey, that seems like it's nothing in baseball. But if he's really good, it enhances your club. And they remember the Cubs play in a weak division. The White Sox play in a fairly weak division. Maybe that's one of the reasons why they haven't made so, so many big moves in the in the East, both the American League East and the National League East. Those teams are really really good, just about top to bottom. Include the Baltimore Orioles in that as well. But cite the case of the player like Bellinger, who has had a couple of bad years, and you're hoping for him to bounce back. How many guys have actually done that? Because we've heard this many times before about players who have bad year, a bad year, and we're we're hoping he bounces back. Because that's Bellinger's story. So, well, wait, wait, Marcus Simeon was that way, Bob. Marcus Simeon came to Toronto on a one year deal because you know he he did not have a good year that year before in Oakland. 
All right. I think the difference here is he's 27. He's already been an MVP. This is an injury issue, and he seems to have lost his way. And the Cubs are thinking, and a lot of teams, including Toronto, there are many others that thought, okay, change of scenery, change of idea, maybe we're the team to bring this guy back. How often does that work, George? Well, not very, but it's it's (laughs) worth the play, right? I don't know. See, would you have? Thanks for shaking your head. What What do you think? The reason why I sort of shake my head with George is that, like, if you're going to make that play, I'd rather make it with an under thirty guy because I feel like that gives you a better chance for somebody to come back. And the other thing I'm with George is ultimately, if it fails, it's just money. Like, you're not. If Carlos Rodon is a bust, that really hurts the Yankees because it's a long-term commitment. I feel like if somebody on a one-year deal turns out to be a bust, like, yeah, it's not good, but you you're you rectify that situation the next year. So I those are the kind of moves that I I like. You know, the um the Blue Jays have some potential with this, is like, what do you think of Michael Conforto? Like that's a guy who like sort of could project into their outfield that's a guy coming back from injury yeah and it's again some of the same sort of questions you he may want more term but like that's some of the questions is like do you overpay for one year of a guy and you sort of you know roll and take the gamble i wish you know obviously it's all hindsight but i wish the blue jays had overpaid a ton for kikuchi and just made it a one-year deal instead of a multiple year deal then you you know then he's gone and you don't got to worry about Sort of, you know, if you got to try to rehab the guy heading forward. Yeah, but you I, say I, he, yeah. you say he's gone. I'm not so sure that Atkins no, thinks he's gone. Neither am I. <laughs> no, no, neither no. I'm I. saying like he's not gone. I'm like, what? If you had signed yeah. him to a one year deal, he would have been gone. But now you you are now you have to try to get something out of him because you you you're paying for him this year. Yeah, yeah I, but you're I, only paying for him for two more years. You're, and 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 he actually on an annual basis he makes less than Bellinger, so it's only money. No, but <laughs> but John, I'm what I'm saying is. A one-year mistake, you agree, is better than a three-year mistake? Yes. There's no question. There's yeah, no really. question, Richard. Guys, but, we but you, a- you, run the, you run the risk, and Chicago runs this risk, as the Jays ran the risk of signing a player, having him rejuvenate his career, and then walking away. And, you know, the Jays lost a guy that could have been the American League MVP after having a great season in Toronto to too much money in Texas. Yeah. Uh, we got to take a break. Um, Offman and Deitch are with us. We'll be back in a minute. The Bob McCowan Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual. So when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's a career change, a new relationship, or even becoming a parent. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. The therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and teaching you productive coping skills. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash bobcast. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash bobcast. McCowan, Shannon, Offman, Deitch. 
around the table. Let's switch to uh, Hoops, a place where uh, Offman and I first got to know each other 40-plus years ago. Um, I, I'm afraid. What, what, what was it? What was it like? What was it like when you know when when you would talk to Henry Iba or you know or or any but any of those guys, Bob? Because you, you, you old guys, that would be great, you know. And that would that was fantastic. Adolph Rupp, what was he really like? Well, he was great. Uh, Often, I of course were just in, in grade school at the time when we started talking to each other. So, well, but back then, of course, they were using a peach basket. That's right. That's right. That's right. The ball didn't bounce nearly as high as it does now. In, in, invented by invented by that good Canadian boy, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk a little hoops, and let's specifically talk about the Raptors because they have made news in the last uh, 10 days because they haven't beaten anybody. And they should uh, – a whole bunch of teams they should have beaten. Um, is this team in trouble? Is this team ready to make a serious move in order to restructure? Or is this team good enough? Uh, we'll throw it to you first off when you're a basketball guy. Well, I think they're kind of in the same place the Bulls are right now of deciding which way to go. And the East is pretty competitive. And you've got some new teams that are are reasonably good. The Cavaliers certainly are a better team. The Celtics, you know, are just about the top of the heap along with the Milwaukee Bucks, the 76ers, Miami. The East is really strong and you just can't go along and play 500 basketball or barely make the playoffs. That's not good enough. And I'm sure it's not good enough for the Raptors who look like they were ascending. And, and the same thing with the Bulls. I mean, the Bulls are just, the Bulls are what, 11 and 16? And they got to face the Knicks again tonight? A lot of people thought they started off with a, you know, a really tough schedule and figured, okay, these next six home games, they'd go five and one. They may be under 500 and they may blow up their team as well to a, to a point. I don't know what's going to happen with the Raptors and whether they're going to do it, but you've got to make a move if you think you're going to be a competitive team. And I'm not sure that they're that, that competitive at the moment. But doesn't that, isn't that the challenge of the uh, of the NBA in the East? Because there are so, I'm going to be as complimentary as possible, so many mediocre teams, Richard? Because there's a lot of mediocre teams. Yeah, they're they're in that horrible position of being like between seven and ten. You know, they're like they're like in that horrible playing land, um, which is really the worst place to be. We, in the NBA, you either want to be a contender or you want to be bad enough where you get into the lottery and have a chance, particularly this year, at a couple of guys who look like they could be um, foundational pieces. I think they have to make a deal. Um, I think the way the club is set up, they they can't tank. Uh, be, you know, their their star players are late twenties guys, Pascal and Fred and. And, um, you know, I know Scotty's obviously one of their pieces, but, they, but they're, they're built to try to go for it in this era. And so I don't necessarily know what the deal is. It strikes me that maybe Gary Trent could be possibly dealt, but they, they have to change the composition of this group because the, the experiment at the moment with all these six, eight, six, nine guys, it's not working. It, it there's something offensively, they're really a mess and they're not a good shooting team at all defensively this year it's part of the reason i think they're under 500 is they haven't played well defensively and they, that's been a hallmark of them they've been a great defensive team so you know this is where it's been a while where you know before we you've needed bobby webster and masai ujiri to make an in-season deal to try to change the fortunes of the group but that's what i think they have to do they i don't think organizationally they can commit to a tank i think there's too many good players on the team to really go to tank to the point where you'd have a shot at obviously this guy who everybody thinks from France is like the the next great player, um, you know, the, as good a prodigy as LeBron was. So they're 
they're in a terrible place, but I I would still go for it because I think there's no be- there's no better alternative. They're not going to be bad enough, so I think you have to just try to go for it. But right now, if you ask me, like, could the Raptors win a playoff game, playoff series? Not the way they're playing now. At what is their ceiling? I don't even know if their ceiling is is the is the conference final at this point. I, I think they're a second round team at best. But the, it seems, and everybody's talking about this. The real problem with the Raptors is they have no shooting. None. They have nobody that can hit from outside. And Porter was supposed to help that, but Porter has been absent. And even then, Porter was considered a bench guy. Yeah, Fred. Fred's not shooting well, and that kills them because he's really the only guy who's consistent from three. This well, in the really NBA been... today, you got to shoot threes, right? Yeah. This really sounds like the Bulls. It almost sounds yeah. exactly like the Bulls. The Bulls are not a good defensive team. They really have a lack of three-point shooters. They're better at three-point shooting, but they don't take enough. I saw that the Warriors took 50 three-point shots the other night and made 20. If the Bulls take 33-point shots, that's a lot. Wow. And this is where Lonzo Ball hurts them because he's their best three-point shooter. Uh, Zach Levine, who, of course, came back from the injury, actually he's played 23 of 27 games this year. He's not hitting threes very well. DeRozan is not a three-point shooter. They don't have three-point shooters. This sounds a lot like Toronto. Yeah, you know what's interesting? I mean, again, we have been talking about the Raptors, but uh, I will say, just as an NBA fan and looking afar, I am blown away by how good the Pelicans are. And it's like a really interesting story because, you know, you think so much of the Warriors um, and, you know, the Sixers and the Bucks and the Heat and the Celtics, obviously. But watch out for that team. That you know, if it wasn't like the Pelicans and you just sort of took that team for like who's on that team, you would consider them a finals contender. Yeah. And again, it gets back to in this, I'll sort of segue it back to the Raptors. It is so clear in the NBA that you need that singular difference maker, particularly late. And Zion Williamson looks like one of these guys, like a yes, top five, top 10 guy. And it's that, about time though. It's about yeah, no, time. I agree. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think for the Raptors, and the plan was, you know, George, and this is a little bit, which makes them a little bit different than the Bulls, their entire thought process this year was that Scotty Barnes was going to take that step to get closer to that. He might not have been a top 10 guy this year, but you might have thought he might be a top 20 or top 15 guy. And his game is, he's taking a step back. And that's that's a, a big, big step back. Yeah, that's a big factor right now, because I think they thought, that he might be a borderline all-star this year, and he's just not that player this year. But the Bulls have that player. DeMar DeRozan has been a great player for them. I mean, he's putting up numbers, you know, akin to what Jordan was doing, not quite. He's been sensational closing games. The problem is their defense is leaky. They're losing. They lost a game, I think it was earlier this week or late last week, with 0.5 seconds left to go in overtime. How do you lose a game like that? Because – there was a backdoor play and they, and they didn't defend it and they lost the game. These are again, they're losing games in overtime. But other than that, DeRozan, DeRozan is their quote superstar player, but they're old. It's an old team. You know, Vooch is in his 30s and DeRozan is in his 30s. And you just you're not going to win unless you have, well, if you unless you have the right point guard and perhaps another complimentary superstar player, you're right, the league hasn't changed. Either you have the superstar player or the complimentary superstar player, you're not going to win. The one thing that is going to change in the NBA in the next 18 months uh, is money. Uh, National media deals are all up. There is going to be more money spent by networks, 
you know, digital companies than ever before. And it's going to change the landscape of the NBA, like maybe NBA type money or Major League Baseball type money. How how do you think that's going to change it for a team like the Bulls or the Raptors? Well, look at the money that's being paid now, John. Top players are making $50 million a year. They're going to make more. They're going to oh, make of more. Of course they're going to make more. Of course they will. It's a matter of which team can get the free agent. That's the one thing the Bulls have not been able to get, albeit they got DeRozan, is to attract that big-time free agent player to come to Chicago. And they thought if they had a really good year this year, they might be able to do that next year. But if they're not good enough, those players won't come here. That's the problem. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be, what, $70 million a year for a player? Yikes. <laughs> Go take that act to Vegas. Yeah, the, the Raptors, you know, it's a different kind of problem, but it's the same thing. I mean, you know, how many shows have we done on this? But you know, it's very hard to attract American free agents, the best of the best, to come to Toronto, which is why it's so important development, that, which is why their developmental program has been so important. And, again, so much of this year, I think, has – and, again, it's still early. They, they, they have the ability to go on a run. But so much of this year really was predicated around the development of Scotty Barnes to take like that next yeah. step. Um, what's interesting is Pascal Siakam has gotten better. And maybe that wasn't something anybody expected. Now, again, I wouldn't put him in my top 10 list of players, but I think he's in the top 15 or top 20. And so they have like, you know, like as George was saying, they have one of the pieces that you must have to win a title, but they still lack the most important piece, which is that alpha dog, you know, Durant, Curry, Embiid, that Giannis, that's, you just almost cannot win without having one of those guys. Well, I think they've got four when everybody is healthy. I think they've got four of the five pieces that they can win with, Agreed. but they still don't have a guy in the middle. But, yeah. but it's four, it's four enough because there, no, there not, isn't. Not, not because, and, and because the four that they've got are all Good players, but not great players. Yeah, the four yeah. isn't enough in when you're going against the Celtics, who have one guy who's absolutely a top five, top ten player in Tatum, and then the complementary pieces in Brown and Smart. It's not good enough when you play Milwaukee, who have probably the best player in the league. That's the problem for them. Is they, you know, you saw what happened in Philly. Like they they played pretty decently against the Sixers, but Embiid destroyed them, and so. Mm. They, yeah, I'm with Bob though. You know, one one move I really loved, and it's just a bummer that he's hurt. Is I loved Otto Porter because I feel like that guy was going to be the three point guy that they need. It's like the one thing that they needed, and he just. I agree. He hasn't been healthy, and and it's killed them because then they have to go to. They either have to overplay like Van Bleet, you know, run him into the ground like 44 minutes or whatever, or they go to some bench players who are nice, serviceable players like Thad Young and people like that, but you. You know, you're not winning against the Celtics if Thad Young is getting, you know, significant minutes down the stretch or Kem Birch. These are nice players, but they're, you know, there's a there's a reason why um, there's a reason why they're in seventh, eighth, ninth place right now. It's funny that you mentioned Otto Porter and Thaddeus Young. Both Did you guys have them? The Bulls. Yeah, and, and Otto Porter, they were thinking, Otto Porter's making $27 million a year. What's he doing? But they weren't <laughs> playing on very good teams. Now yeah. they're playing there. <laughs> Yeah, Otto well, Porter, I think, we, and he he was a wizard too, right? He's gone around the league. A lot. Yes, he has been. Daddy is young, is a pretty good player, to be honest with you. He's, yeah, he he's is. A I agree. Complimentary player, great and a great chemistry guy. Supposedly yes. great in the locker. Yeah. And let's face it, George, all your uh, raves about Demar Derozan, every Raptor fan understands Demar Derozan. So they do. We do <laughs> love Demar here, George. 
But, uh, but just so you know, ever... George, I know you, I know you know this. Not exactly the guy who's going to be the defensive stopper for him. <laughs> no, he's not. But whoever thought that he was going to have the year he had last no, year? No, nobody here. He's been unbelievable. Twenty-seven points a game, yeah. unbelievable the way he played, yeah. and he still is playing at a very high level. But he is thirty-three, and you know, yeah. if you're not going to win a title now, he's going to probably win it maybe with another team. Yep. Yep. Agreed. It's funny because he's now been on three teams, and none of them have been as successful as you would think they should be. And the that's not his fault, though. I mean, he's right. Uh, I don't know if you watch Bulls games, Bob. That guy is he's carrying that team. I I get, but I watched him with the Raptors, and he carried the team for four or five years. But he was he had to go against LeBron. I mean, it's you know this is the difference. You can't beat you couldn't beat LeBron that Cleveland team. He he became a much better player after that time with Greg Popovich. Let's face it. Pop made him a better player. I agree with yeah. that. In order to go on to the next, to go on to the next team, and because there was no, there was no, there was no way he was going to get to the next level in Toronto. I find he wouldn't even go inside, as, Bob. He wouldn't go. He's inside. a more efficient scorer than he now than he was in Toronto. I, I feel oh, like I don't agree. Just, Do you have oh, stats to prove that? Well, I don't have them in front of me, but I mean, his. I mean, George can help with this. His, his points are up. I bet you his. Uh, Shooting percentages up the last couple of years. He's shooting more free throws because he's driving to the hoop exactly. more. Yeah. He's that, happened to, that happened in Toronto. The first couple of years, he didn't get any calls at all. And then he started to get calls just before he got traded to San Antonio. Yeah. I mean, look, I the guy, the guy has been inside a, a, that much in Toronto, Bob. The guy was a, well, he did. He did go inside a fair bit at, at, because he won't shoot the three and he's not very good at it. Right. And right. he's a he, mid, but he knows he, that now he doesn't shoot as many threes. Right, and he's a mid range. He's a mid range shooter. Period. End of story. Great mid range. Yeah, but that's that's okay if you're averaging twenty seven points a game. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. And if you have and if you have guys on the on the outside who can shoot, that's the, that's the that's the key. They don't, the Bulls don't have that. Once again, it's not a one man game. You know, you you got to have at least two or three, or preferably three good ones, really good ones. Yep. And you have have to have those three guys have to be good at different things. Well, listen, I, I, I remember all the of Rosen that. hasn't had that. I had, I remember that back in the nineties, the bulls had two of those. They had Jordan and Pippen and everybody around. Oh, I've heard of them. Good enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, look at, they had, they had efficient guys around them. The, yeah. you know, the other three, four five, however many. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, and Grant was pretty a, good. Grant, Grant was a borderline all-star. You'd agree on that team. So that's your third guy right there. There you go. Yeah. We, we know who one and two were. And, yes. you know, cite an NBA team who doesn't have a one and two that has a chance at winning a championship. Well, that's I mean, the thing now in Los Angeles where suddenly the Lakers are playing better because Anthony Davis is healthy. And so now exactly. LeBron, who's still playing at a reasonable level, now they're looking to make that trade to see if they can steal because Golden State is, eh. But they're, they're in the position now of making that kind of deal. You know, are they going to be able to give up draft choices? I don't know. If they're going to go for it, they're going to go for it now. And that puts guys like... DeMar DeRozan out there may be available to be traded to the Lakers. Yeah. That, I mean, I, I don't know if the salary can work, obviously, because DeMar makes so much money. But as a basketball fan, I would love to see him go to his hometown of L.A. and oh, yeah. play with the Lakers. I think that would just be a great story. And I think, and I think he really would fit what they need. They, he would change their team dramatically. Well, suddenly that, that concept is a realistic one. Because uh, four weeks ago, you would have said, I don't care who the Lakers bring in. They You're still right. think, right? Yeah. Would George, would the Bulls take back, I don't know, draft picks in Westbrook? 
Because well, you need a contract. You got to take the contract it, back. It, you're taking back a contract for one year. It's it's it, or the rest of the year. They might do that certainly to to, to make that kind of meet. Yeah, they need draft choices. Remember, they gave up two for Vucevic, yeah. and who knows if they're going to re-sign him. So they need draft choices. They need lots of draft choices. Their, their general manager said, I'm not making any moves this year. I want continuity. Well, he should have known ahead of time that Lonzo Ball was probably not going to play. And now the Bulls have kind of no continuity. But the Lakers don't have any draft picks to deal. That's the well, problem. that's a problem. Yeah. 20, 2037, Bob. 2038. You're lying, but you're not. Sorry, John, what did you say? I said, then LeBron will be playing with his son, so it's okay. It doesn't matter. Because <laughs> LeBron's still going to be playing. I mean, come on. Uh, guys, we have uh, crossed a few bridges here. We thank you very much for Hey, your congratulations, time. too. Congratulations. This is the first basketball we've, discussion we've had in two years without mentioning the Brooklyn Nets. It is amazing. We went this far <laughs> without mentioning the Brooklyn Nets. Congratulations. By the way, I just want to point this out. Uh, I'm sure you can see the bookcase behind me. There is a book there, kind oh. of. It's a book by a guy. Let me look close. I think his name is Shannon. John Shannon. Oh, yeah, that's right. There it is. Oh. Evolve or Die. I love it. Great book. Did you enjoy it, George? Pardon me? Did you enjoy it? I absolutely did. I love the way okay. you've aged gracefully. Yeah, I'm not sure I age gracefully. I know he hasn't aged gracefully. Quit sucking up. It does you no good on this show whatsoever. George will uh, be back every week. Hoffman, Deitch, you look beautiful. Thank you very much for your time. We'll uh, have you back again soon. Awesome. Thanks, happy, guys. Happy See you. Thank you, gentlemen. everybody. Thank you. We'll be Thank back you. in a minute. The world's greatest sporting event only rolls around every four years. And every four years, everyone becomes a soccer fan. That's right, billions of eyes are about to fall upon 32 nations battling it out for soccer supremacy. The Men in Blazers podcast will once again be your guide to every incredible goal, every heartbreaking defeat, and every moment of human triumph. This is America's number one soccer podcast, bringing you expert analysis of every U.S. men's national game and exclusive interviews from a slew of athletes and celebrity guests all month long. This is what the world will be talking about. This is the one podcast that makes soccer fun and entertaining for everyone. Follow Men in Blazers on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Uh, we are back. Our thanks to Deitch and Hoffman for uh, being with us. That was fun. It's like, yeah. So time. you've got, are you having, I know you've had, you make your great uh, uh, chili that none of us ever yeah. eat. Uh, you, yeah. you do it for Super Bowl. Yep. Uh, you, I think you probably did it once in a while for Grey Cup, you know, maybe yep. a Grey Cup party. So are you having uh, the Pecos Red for, uh, for the World Cup final Sunday? Uh, John, I'm having my pants pressed on Sunday, so I, I can't make the chili. And, uh, I also won't watch whatever you will so. thing is on. I will. Not. You will. So I will. Come not. on. I'm actually planning, planning a trip to the winery on Sunday as you, as if you want to know. So I have no plans to watch the game. I know you're referring well, to will my, you, that, will that you, will you drink, uh, will you drink Argentinian wine or will you drink French wine? Neither. I'll drink it. Oh. Beautiful Canadian wine. 
Okay. Although I guess both countries make, I guess every country makes wine of some sort. French wine's pretty good. So is Argentinian wine. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, so you, so you, I mean, come on now. This is, this is a huge event, Bob. So I'm wondering now, how long has it been since there's been a game? A couple of days, right? Uh, the Tuesday, Wednesday were the two semis. So now you got to wait three days of nothing to get to the What do you do in Qatar? What do you do in Qatar? Qatar? You've been in Qatar for a month <laughs> and now you got three days with nothing else to do. What do you do? You better you better be staying at one of those high end hotels that does serve alcohol. Uh, I guess there are a few. Are there? There. Are, well, I mean, I, VIPs could still drink in the stadiums. Yeah. So they, it's just the regular public. And 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 you know it's you know well, you drink consider, for three days to um, what get in shape for the game. Uh, well, you want to be sober. You do want to be drunk when you watch it. That's the only reason to watch. No, come on! It's going to be a great game. It it really is. I think I think that uh, and it I really isn't. Messi to have a It'll be a soccer game like any game. other. No, Bob, the singing, the French fans, the Argentinian Who fans. Cares? It will be fantastic. I do not care even a little bit. It'll be an event. Who are you picking? The referee. <laughs> Nobody. No. I could not. John, I swear to you, I could not care less. And we had made such great progress. I mean, at least there's two pretty good teams in this thing. Oh, I mean, I, I, what I, a little I, I know is historically, Argentina yeah. and France have both been powerhouses. And well, the defending the defending champions? They against, still are. Uh, yeah, the defending champions against the team that has a, a legendary player on it that might play as how do you game. explain how how do you explain that how do you explain the legacy of both countries that both of them have been this good for this long well i think that it, it's it's kind of like in many ways bob it's 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 like we talked about it weeks ago about college basketball you can have a 68 team tournament but it always ends up in the last <laughs> the last eight teams are teams that are dynamic and have been prolific for years and years and years and that's what happens that's what happens here i mean yeah, but you know, the, but if you're talking about a basketball tournament, you're talking about drafting or going to get the best players and the best schools get the best players. But it's also this, about it's about training and it's about the the and and so the teaching. French train better than than somebody else. I I think there's got to be something in the water, it's and we know the and we know the Argentines do an amazing job. You know, and and then Messi, the, the the Messi story alone is a great story. That he's got a chance to win the World Cup, and and to break records from scoring. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be as 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 the guys on the BBC would say, it's gonna be magic. Well, uh, don't call Shannon's house for uh, ninety minutes on Sunday because, while the game is on. Might because, be extra uh, time. He'll be busy. Oh, God, I hope it's extra time for your sake. <laughs> Let me know on Monday who wins, all right? We got to go. Again, our thanks to Deitch and Hoffman. We'll uh, see you on Monday. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>